0: Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. (tose) Yo por ti, tú por mí. Yo por ti, tú por mí. Yo por ti, tú por mí. Somos dos cantantes
1: como los de antes. El respeto es en boletos y diamantes. Se me para el corazón lo con mirarte. Busca te canto para que tú me cantes. Somos dos cantantes como los de antes.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio. Quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM WQCS, and that is NPR, National Public Radio. Um, Also, worldwide, uh, Apple iTunes podcasting is is very easy to access, you know, on most of your phones, but... um, for those of you that don't do apple podcasting there are other podcast services such as the public radio exchange so you can take us anywhere with you listen at any time and we have a plethora of shows many many shows for you to catch up on if you're just joining us for the first time today uh, we have a, a wonderful guest and we have a new guest with uh, every show but today's guest is Michelle May, psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: And we're going to talk about a few things, but one of the main um, subjects we're going to touch on today is EMDR. Yes. Eye movement, reprogramming, desensitization.
0: Yes, close. Close? Yes. Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing.
2: Reprocessing. Cool. very close. All right. Yeah, I tried to memorize that. Yeah. Um, So there's obviously i movement there's the reprogramming or the re- reprocessing that's right um so we're not reprogramming which is it's that's the key it's very similar though it's very yeah. similar they yeah. do
0: liken it to sort of you know programming on yeah. a computer where yes. your brain is the computer so yeah. you know it's but the
2: reprocessing is because we can't really necessarily get rid of things, memories per se, trauma, but we can reprocess. Exactly. So I'm glad I got that wrong because that's probably something that is a misconception about this therapy that most people get. Like, how can you possibly, you know, get rid of uh, trauma or or a memory? Well, we're not. We're reprocessing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we deal with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? How do we deal with traumas of childhood sexual or loss or otherwise yes. or adulthood
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, you know everything from getting bit by a dog to um, car accidents that are severe or sports traumas that are severe Absolutely. Uh, make us fear things that maybe we shouldn't or don't want to fear anymore how do we change that so EMDR is a viable therapy that's growing and you are a psychotherapist that practices this
0: that's right. I've been uh, certified in EMDR for 4 years now and okay. I use it with just about all my clients even if they're not coming in specifically for that. Right. You know, there always tends to be a point where they'll be stuck on an issue or something is frustrating them, something that comes up in their relationship or otherwise and I'll say, "You know what? Let's just let's just give this a try." Okay. And I mean, the results are are great. So
2: How long were, uh, were you practicing as a psychotherapist prior to
0: um, I have been in private practice 10 years, and okay. I was practicing before that for about four years, so okay. 14 years now.
2: Wow. So 14 years total, mm-hmm. and here you are using EMDR. And that what was that change? When did you? How did you get exposed to it? What right. was that shift?
0: So, before I went into private practice, I was working at a substance abuse treatment center as okay. a therapist. And um, we had an EMDR clinician come in and do EMDR with the patients, mm-hmm. you know, because with addiction, very, very often there is trauma in the background. Um, you know, people are trying to self-medicate, et cetera. So I was seeing the results that my patients and my caseload would go in, do this EMDR once, maybe twice, and just drastic changes in wow. how they were feeling and experiencing, you know, themselves past trauma. And so it piqued my interest. Mm. And I was actually able to sit in on a few sessions and I thought, this is something I gotta get into. Mm. So I looked up the trainings and, you know, went a few years after that and I just, I really got into it and it just seems so helpful. It's quite fast acting. So, you know, traditional therapy is awesome, but EMDR is really good for getting, you know, quicker results, you know, depending on how you process and and what you're targeting. Right.
2: You know, as a person that treats so many individuals holistically and cares so much about every level of their being. I have come across people that several times I have to reiterate and remind them when they speak about disease, they always own it. When they Mm -hmm. speak about a happening, they own it. It's mine. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I've always thought about those things now. And I've I've obviously honored that in them. I, I respect it, you know, um, that, that those are things that we can obviously try to own, but, this therapy helps us to not own those things. So we can't change that things that are bad that we wouldn't welcome, that we wouldn't have wished on anyone else, happen to us, we can't change that. Those are are real occurrences. Mm -hmm. So this is a therapy that is now, what we're gonna get into is about the process of changing our perception so that we can move forward without that weight.
0: Exactly, and that is how I explain it to people, as far as, you know, it will feel less disturbing to you when you think back on these memories, and usually the story around it will have changed. You know, one of the hallmarks of trauma is that the way that our mind processes it, it's less adaptive than how we deal with everyday things, and oftentimes we'll get messages stored with the trauma that are not rational or not real, you know, things like, you know, I'm not safe, I can't trust, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, um, you know, I can't expect good things. And when your mind stores that in with the trauma, along with all of these raw memories and emotions that they're so overwhelming, your mind doesn't really process them correctly. It feels it has a big disruption on your life, you know and one of the ways you can kind of sense you know if something has been traumatic is how you feel when you think about it mm-hmm. and generally if it's not processed it will either be quite numb or you will feel like it just happened right. you know you think you go through a traumatic car crash for example you think about it and instead of oh well thank goodness that's over and I'm safe now you'll feel that heightened anxiety right. that fear some probably very intense images and sound Mm. memories and and that's how you know okay here's some material that needs to be reprocessed so that your brain kind of gets and understands it's over i'm safe now it was scary but you know so integrating it into your life at this point
2: yeah and you know and, and for listeners that may be questioning well when do you know if these things are affecting you i think you gave some good examples but they can be everything from intimacy mm-hmm. uh, yes. someone goes to hug you and you really are not I'm not a hugger
0: shrink away from it right yeah
2: um, which is fine I mean especially if the person smells <laughs> <laughs> bad reasons, <laughs> right, right? It's like, but in general if it's like a loved one you yes. know a parent or a husband or in the, these are areas that are, are constantly coming up just there are inability. body memories, yeah, yeah that, that um, you feel
0: that instant discomfort right. when someone gets near or some, right. you know, there are yeah. a lot of reasons.
2: Someone goes to help you open a door and you <laughs> mm-hmm. back up really <laughs> fast, like, you know, you wow, yeah. yeah, what do you want? <laughs> um, so, so those are like little things to look for. And, and, and what happens is, is, and this is the other part of that um, connection, is that what people don't realize is how much we plan to what we attract. So there's obviously been books and movies and the law of attraction and so forth, but going through life and having these, this weight, these weights or these, the past haunt us in this way, do prevent good things, your, your best things from happening. Yeah. Your true health, your true wealth, your true, whatever it is, your success, they, they do block in everything, yeah. in, in work relationships, and you know, intimate relationships. Uh, in, in children and parents, you can see those, those sort of dysfunctions. Yeah. Uh, whereas a parent just has never gotten over some of their things, so they're now passing over those uh, problems to their children. It's a generational curse, as they call them. Absolutely. So give us an insight into what happens when someone comes into your office they've seen you for a while maybe through general methods of psychotherapy and now you decide hey let's try this tell us what a session looks like
0: yeah so once we decide to do the emdr and i tell them a little bit about it which i can get into a little later but um Basically, we pick what we want to target. And the target is the memory and negative thoughts that we're going to focus on at the beginning of the EMDR session. And it usually pertains to an issue that the person is struggling with. You know, supposing that they've just struggled with low self esteem, depression, and we find out, okay, well, you had a very critical parent who was quite cold, and, you know, that is something that really had an effect on you and made you doubt yourself. And so that's what we're going to target. We pull up a memory that you know is likely related to that and then whatever the negative thought is you know might be I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable or something that the person generally knows isn't rational but it feels true and that's a big sign that there's a trauma there so we kind of get a sense for how disturbing and upsetting that material is for them and we start the EMDR and we track throughout the session what comes up in their mind and If the level of disturbance, it generally is quite high or it goes up a little even and peaks and then it starts to go down by the end of the session. It becomes less disturbing. Um, And people process all different ways, but they might get more memories, um, thoughts, feelings, body sensations, it really depends how your mind processes. But I like to say, you know, all roads lead to Rome. Wherever your mind needs to go to heal that, it will. So, you know, I have some clients that it's kind of all body feelings and just sensations and, okay, my throat feels really tight, my stomach hurts, and then it starts to get better. Or sometimes, you know, they have memories so vivid they can say, I can remember this blue dress I was wearing with little flowers on it, and I can see the pictures in the hallway of my childhood home. You know, it's really fascinating Mm. how our minds work. Um, And then the idea is that your mind is reprocessing that and it shifts to the present day point of view um, you stop seeing these things from the viewpoint of the child that went through them or how you felt when you were in you know the car accident or whatever and you start to see and understand you know a little bit more about the experience so then by the end you know you should be feeling okay well you know the, truthfully it's not that i'm not good enough you know we pick a positive thought i am enough or it wasn't about me or mm-hmm. something that they can start feeling and connecting to more by the end of the session. Mm.
2: You know, I, I, in my research of this, I came across an idea, and I think it's an important one to bring up because I'm sure there are skeptics that say, well, what do memories and these body, so-called body memories or, or other things have to do with the eyes? Mm. Um, and, and the answer to that really simply came up uh, rapid eye movement. That happens when we actually sleep and dream. So expand on that if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, so the important thing is, and you're absolutely right, the the REM sleep is a big indicator of what they think EMDR mirrors, because during that mode of sleep, your mind is learning, storing memories, uh, processing everything from that day, and sort of, you know, kind of cleaning house. Yeah, which is why it's so important. Yes, very important. One of the reasons, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So during that phase of sleep, obviously your, your eyes are darting all around and there's something about the bilateral stimulation that enables this process in your brain to adaptively process things. Mm-hmm. And it can actually even be tapping back and forth on your hands or knees or shoulders. The, the therapist
2: taps you or you're yeah, tap, okay.
0: Either, either or, um, mm. you know, the eye movements you you track back and forth with your eyes. Um, It can be someone holding up a finger and and doing it back and forth, or I have a light bar in my office that has a light that goes back and forth. So is it a
2: signaling to switch sides of the brain? Is it connected to that, or is it really optic? Yeah, related or eye related. I mean,
0: it, it's not optic because, so there's a lot of, you know, people have different Because I guess the tapping on. is different, that's not optic. Exactly, yeah. okay. it's really about the back and forth, the so bilateral three, stimulation. And, okay. There are a lot of people that, you know, there's some contention of sort of whether the eye movements are the best. Mm-hmm. I prefer to start with the eye movements, but yeah. some people really don't like them and they benefit yeah. more from the tapping, tapping yeah. or there are little um, mm. things that vibrate back and forth in your hands that I use also. Anything mm. that goes back and forth, mm. some people and I joke with my clients because in particular it seems like um, a lot of people with uh, ADHD they hate the eye movements it it distracts them and they're way better with their eyes closed and having you know beeping in their ears or Mm -hmm. you know tapping in their hands or something so everyone processes differently but those are just as effective Mm -hmm. anything that goes back and forth it it just seems to have an effect on your brain where you can process things in a deeper way.
2: Mm -hmm. And so the the the, the strategy is you're bringing it from a um <laughs> if we were to think about our brains as this computer you bring it into your ram your rapid access memory yeah from your deeper hard drive space yep. so that you can defrag <laughs> yeah
0: sounds <laughs> so, right i'll right. take it <laughs>
2: and, we're, and we're using these sort of methods which are pretty superficial and simple but yeah. a way of to re program now now with these tapping and all that are you what are you saying to them or what are they saying are they saying anything
0: So some people like to talk doing it, but generally you are both quiet. Uh, Um, We're kind of observing. It's kind of a meditative sort of without any judgment or attachment. You're just noticing what comes up in your mind, in your body. And we do it a couple minutes and then I pause it and I check in and I say, mm -hmm. what came up? What did you notice? Mm -hmm. And they just give me a brief report of what they, you know, well, then I've had these other memories come up. And then I noticed that, you know, my chest felt a little tight. And now it feels a little better. And I'll just kind of say, okay, notice that and just pick up where you left off. You know, I don't want to talk too much because I don't want to interrupt their own processing. But sometimes I'll say, okay, I want you to think about this. Or, well, let's go back to the target memory and tell me how it feels now. So I will direct them some. But generally, we try to let the mind kind of go where it needs to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of am more in a director role.
2: How long does the process last? How long does the treatment last? Oh, yeah.
0: it's it's an hour. Mm-hmm. It's like a normal therapy okay, session. Okay. Some practitioners like to give an hour and a half, mm-hmm. um, and I will do that if I feel like we're going to have a tough session where I don't yeah. want to leave anyone feeling too. So raw the EMDR after.
2: portion is that full hour, or oh hour? yeah, oh wow, and
0: it makes mm-hmm. you tired. Yeah, everybody. Bad. People say they they to they yeah. want to nap after. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah. napping's probably the best thing you can do after. Which would be
2: if if it's bringing up into the RAM and defragmenting, and that would be like the reboot phase.
0: <laughs>
2: exactly. There you go. He's going to reboot. Yeah turn like it off it. and reboot? I'm okay. going to use that. I like it. Drink <laughs> lots of water, too. Yes. Um I always tell my patients that no matter what. Yes. <laughs> water is always a good yes. thing to add to the uh, recommendation um, for post-treatment in any way. Uh, so so now you have these methods and people do this. Now, is it one and done? You know, Do they do this treatment with you and then it, they're all better and they can move on with their lives and trauma and tragedy is uh, now reprocessed? And gone or what? It would be so
0: nice, right? Yeah. If it was that neat, yeah. just kind of wrap a bow on it. Yeah. Um, I do think that one can be very beneficial. And I have had some people that they did one and they said, you know, it was intense and I liked it and I feel better, but I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine. Um, but generally you're looking for doing, you know, several sessions on whatever the target is, um, you know, It just depends it's kind of like traditional therapy in that there's no real timeline it's kind of as long as you feel like it's beneficial Mm. but generally you'll notice a big change even after the first one you know so it's kind of up to us you know me deciding clinically and the client deciding what they're interested in and Mm. we come to an agreement of what they want to do
2: I like that Uh, you know I think all all medicines should be individualized and precision-based and unique to the patient and the needs um and i'm sure that some situations are going to be really really deep and deeply rooted in the person's existence yes um life patterns you know uh, you know especially when you're getting into probably addiction type stuff and oh yeah um now Going forward, well, let's look at the four-year span. Like, can you give us one example specifically that you treated that you thought, "Wow, this, this was really significant"? You oh know, yeah. Obviously, without patient names or anything, but just, sure,
0: you know. sure. Um, I've had a couple of clients that were involved in car accidents where they were driving, and it resulted in a fatality. Um, and uh, n- not even under the influence, just especially being young and kind of messing around and you know, it being nighttime and things. and um, really very intense memories and intense guilt and, you know, not being able to sleep for years from the guilt and the memories and the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. and um, in, in both of these clients, um, who were both kind of, early mid-20s. After the first session, there was a marked difference and, you know, there were a lot of tears. It was very intense and, you know, we did ultimately do a couple more sessions as well, but it was really night and day after of really understanding, you know, it was an accident and, you know, I, I don't have to beat myself up forever. I can grieve and then, you know, continue living my life and moving on. And, and, you know, one in particular, there were a lot of substance abuse issues that arose from, from that incident as well, just because of the tremendous guilt and regret. Um, so it was, really, it was really good, you know. Um, but there have been, yeah, there have been a lot. We did some work down in Parkland um, and, you know, some people that were involved in the shooting there that, you know, were having a lot of really negative after effects, the PTSD and um, you know, afterwards, a lot less anxiety about going to school, less headaches, nightmares. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's really great.
2: What would you say is the youngest? Would, would that be the youngest age group that you've worked with, the, with the Parkland shooting, or have you worked with younger?
0: Much younger. Yeah, mm. kids are actually great with EMDR. Mm-hmm. I actually do EMDR tapping on my nine-year-old son quite mm-hmm. a lot to mm-hmm. kind of calm him down, or after he's had a nightmare. Um, but I don't specialize in it because I um, the youngest I've done it on is um, 10 clinically in my office. And you just have to utilize a lot of different methods. You know, they're less verbal, so you have them draw. And, um, you know, you can do puppets. You can do dolls. You can do... You know, the scale is different. You know, how much does it bother you? Do you feel it in your tummy? Does it bother you little like an ant or big like an elephant? You know, you just have different ways of. But um, kids, and I I do a lot with teenagers as well, they're great at reprocessing because they don't have all the defense mechanisms that we as adults do. They're way simpler, you know. Adults sometimes can sort of start, well, it doesn't bother me that much, you know, and it's because they have all these defense mechanisms of sort of avoiding thinking about it, distancing themselves from it and then we start the emdr and they're shocked they're Mm. like oh my gosh i have i had no idea this would bring up this much stuff but kids and teens you know they're it's easier to access the stuff and they do reprocess it quite quickly so it is something that i recommend a lot for parents
2: one of the biggest issues that we've had as you know suffering i'm sure all countries have this with their veterans, you know. Mm, yes. Um, and, and for us, it's been a, a hard road and figure out solutions for PTSD due to war yeah. and how to re enter, how, how would a soldier re enter society? Um, and obviously, our local uh, law enforcement as well yes. police officers, firefighters, you know, those are all areas where we kind of feel for these individuals who serve us so selflessly. Yeah. Um, Have you had any experience working with that sector?
0: I have, um, and it's been really helpful and great as well. It is something that I would love to see more widespread Mm -hmm. organizationally. I think that it would be something, especially with the rates of suicide and substance abuse in some of these fields, you know, particularly soldiers, it would be just awesome if something was implemented and I do believe there are programs out there but I just don't think they're widespread enough where they could get some EMDR and it's quite cost effective too really because yeah. you don't need as many sessions generally as general counseling you know you get a bigger bang for your buck so to speak right. Right. Um, but yeah in instances where I've worked with people like that it has been really great and and one of the other things too is now they've shown through research that emdr can prevent ptsd as well as treat it so mm. if something go, somebody goes through a horrific experience or you know a soldier gets hurt in battle and they come back and you know you can do the emdr on the recent event right. and it can prevent ptsd from showing up in 12 months wow so wider spread would be yeah. a wonderful thing
2: Preventative medicine is always good. Yes, prevent, <laughs> not just
0: treating. Exactly. Right.
2: So, so there's a lot of use here, and I hope um, it's being more accepted. Are you seeing psychiatrists oh, or yes. psychologists that will accept and in recommend? the past
0: seven years that I've been doing it, it mm. has been so much more widespread. I'm mm. getting a lot more calls specifically for people asking for it, or right. their doctor, or psychiatrist, or friend told them they should look into okay, it, and good. that's really great. That's
2: great to hear. Um, how do people find you, Ms. Michelle May, <laughs> psychotherapist?
0: psychotherapist? Um, I have a website that mm-hmm. often people will look up and mm-hmm. find and mm-hmm. you know if you look up EMDR in your area generally you'll come up with some things um, and yeah that's really the, the biggest thing is online and through referrals of people but okay. I am at Jupiter Counseling in Jupiter, Florida. Jupiter so, Counseling in yes. Jupiter,
2: Florida and the website?
0: Jupitercounseling.org. That's easy. Yeah.
2: Jupitercounseling.org, and you can find and do you do over the phone if they don't live uh, close enough to? I do.
0: I do over the phone and Facetime as well.
2: Perfect. All right. Well, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. Yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. We've had a wonderful talk with Michelle May, psychotherapist, specialist in EMDR. And if you missed any portion of this show, please uh, email me, Dr. Ken, at drkengray.com, uh, if you have any questions or. Or concerns and also you can uh, pick up the show on apple podcasts as well as the public radio exchange see you next time
1: it comes to me upon the strings when i hear it well i say i can't say it's my creation stay impatient what it brings Let me say I'm coming humble. I don't know what's right or wrong. I just keep, keep on.